Welcome to Coffee House. We have a comment show. As promised, like I said, I had some issues last time trying to get to these things, but these are comments left by people who watch videos on the YouTube channel. It's a very skeleton version of a YouTube channel. All I do is kind of upload the episodes uh, a few, a couple of weeks or a few weeks later. I'll, I'll just upload those on there with just the audio. But I get some comments on there, so I wanted to check those out, since I don't otherwise get to interact with my listeners. So obviously much appreciated, and would appreciate any interaction as we make our way through all these damn books that we've got here. So, first one. This is just Bill, just straight Bill, on the Black, Rednecks, and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell episode. And Bill says, Thomas Sowell and his works are a serious course of study. You could actually build courses around the man, and it would be completely worthy. More important than people know, so keep preaching. I mean, obviously, yes, brilliant, incredibly important comment. This is the most important, likely, intellectual of the 21st century. And if I could force anybody, if I could, with a totalitarian wand, force anybody to read the works of any one human being to have ever existed since the beginning of time, it would be the works of Thomas Sowell. That's specifically for Americans, contemporary Americans. Thomas Sowell, the most important ideas that a maturing polity, especially a democratic one, could possibly need to read. So much appreciated. Bill, yes, very much, and thank you. Here's another one. Edward Nelson. This is on the Propaganda podcast. That's Edward Bernays, right, who wrote that. So Edward Nelson is the commenter, and he says, Excellent. It is the fundamental framing that is fallacious and has led us to the reality of today. Democrats do what they want, and the rest of us are expected to do what Democrats tell us. So true. So (laughs) this is one of the most frustrating aspects of the way that things are going right now is that there's a double standard and you'll scream about the double standard and they don't care (laughs) that there's a double standard. I think just recently, Mayor Light- I was just in D.C., and Mayor Lightfoot reinstituted mask mandates and then went to Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza, or whatever it is, officiated a wedding, went to some other event. I mean, there were a whole bunch of things where she wasn't wearing a mask, even though the mask mandates were reinstituted. Of course, I wore the mask the duration of my trip to D.C., but the mayor didn't have to. This is something that we see in California, too. It was Gavin Newsom who went to the French Laundry. <laughs> but it's not just with that. Obviously, it's with uh, just standards when it comes to what people can and can't say, who gets canceled, not canceled. I mean, that alone is unbelievable. The liberal comedians and things who've been parading themselves around in blackface and Joe Biden with all of the various things, the accusations, the things that he said, oh my God, especially when it comes to race. Just the most, since LBJ, the most out and out, obviously racist, and I hate using that word, obviously, it has so little content. If we, going back to the actual definition of the word, but those double standards are, you know, just applied liberally. And then when it comes to the media, especially, I mean, obviously, when it comes to the media, just things like uh, kids in cages, kids in cages, that's all you have to say when it comes to double standards. So, yeah, this is, uh, it's incredibly frustrating. That is kind of the way that they're trying to function here. And because they have the media 100% on their side and every other institution, because everybody else, all the sane people, were incredibly lazy over the last few decades while they were putting in, putting in work and they are reaping the benefits now, they have all the institutions backing all of this insanity, this nonsense. And so it's, there are some serious headwinds. So I hear you, Edward Nelson. Thank you. Then we've got, oh, Edward Nelson again. Uh, This is on the Anti-Mary Exposed, and he says, Fascinating Insight. Now, this one I wanted to comment on because I wasn't sure (laughs) 
whether he was talking about the book or talking about my incredible, fascinating insight. So this was um, very important for me to point out that this could be ambiguously interpreted. So I can't remember the specific insightful things that I said on that particular podcast, but the book itself, I think, had a lot of good insights too. So (laughs) I might have to give you some latitude on that one. But thanks again. Then we've got Greg Smith on, again, Black Rednecks and White Liberals. So happy to see a lot of people are listening to episodes on Thomas Sowell books. Greg Smith says, I listened to this book on YouTube six months ago and it blew me away. I learned so much. Yes, that is uh, much the experience I had with that and I've had with all Thomas Sowell books so far. And especially that one. That one, when it came to the Celts and where Southern Blacks, the Southern Black Enclave that would end up migrating to places like Chicago, New York, where they got the culture that animates them and how northern the Northern Black Enclave were the ones who went to places like Dunbar and who went to Ivy League schools and ended up doctors and lawyers and dentists and all that sort of thing. They were a different enclave and it was the Southern Blacks who inherited from the Southern Whites all these terrible cultural practices and they in turn inherited it from the Celts who came from, you know, the Northern European area. So such, I mean, I'm gonna, I have to go back and read this book. There are gonna be a list of books. I'm gonna create a list of books that we're going to revisit so we can pull some more out of those because now that we're like 200 books in it is difficult to keep all these things straight so we're eventually going to do that obviously Thomas Sowell is going to be on that list along with Marcus Aurelius we're going to have to readdress his and I'm sure a couple of fiction ones will poke their heads maybe the stranger I know we did that at some point so we might have to do it again but anyway so Greg Smith thank you very much for that then we've got flustered weasel So that's a great name. Again, on Black Rednecks and White Liberals. And suggestion here, a suggestion here, get a copy of Yuri Bezmenov interview, Deception Was My Job. So I actually, I think I got a copy. I got a a PDF version anyway, which I don't know if I just bootlegged it, that I do something totally wrong there. But I did get a copy. I absolutely love recommendations, 100%. And I will try to do as many as I can. You know, a lot of these I'll be able to fit in in between the other major episodes that I do. We just have at least a little bit of a discussion about those. But so yes, anybody who has uh, suggestions for what I should read, what we should do on the show, please let me know. This one was Yuri Bezmenov and Deception Was My Job. So hopefully we'll get to that sometime soon. Much appreciated, flustered weasel. All right, this comment is from The 30 Tyrants. Oh, that was such a good article, such an important, important stuff. This is from Find Your Shine Within. Well, that's optimistic. I appreciate that. Great insight. Enjoyed the breakdown. Just discovering your book reviews. Please keep up the important work trying to get word out. All right. So this one was just flattering. And that's the reason (laughs) that was just selfish of me. But obviously, thank you so very much. This one, see specified that the great insight was on my part. Or maybe again, it could be ambiguous. It's great insight from the article, but enjoyed the breakdown. That was my part of it wasn't given the breakdown. (laughs) Well, either way, again, much appreciated. Find your shine within. That 30 Tyrants article was so important and enlightening. It talked about the way that our elites have been co-opted by Chinese influences, and especially our elite colleges, you know, Ivy League colleges, all those things are so, so very important. The way that China has insinuated itself upon our institutions, and that's one of the big questions, the massive question mark when it comes to democracies is, will they be able to compete on a world stage against places like China and Russia, where they have much greater control over their populace and they are running these propaganda machines and obviously now we are just diving head in into the propaganda machines and our media are not resisting this they are in fact assisting with it 
So we have to wonder, we have to wonder how democracies compete against countries like that and what the ultimate result of this American experiment is going to be. But so that was an excellent article, The 30 Tyrants. Uh, hopefully a lot of you listen to that episode. Uh, go read it for yourself. Much appreciated. Find your shine within. Here's another one from AAAA. I'm not sure if there's something I'm missing. There's a better way to pronounce that, but it's just four capital letter A's with a couple of dots in between. Uh, are those cat ears? Is that the point? Are they just supposed to be a, like cat ears or something? Because that would be pretty adorable. But uh, this is from, oh, well, this isn't adorable. This is from The Rape of Nanking, a uh, book we read a little while ago. This one was one that absolutely blew my hair back. The commenter says, don't stop making these videos great effort. Uh, again, this is just purely flattering, but I will take it. Uh, that book was just, it was mind-blowing. It was something that I didn't realize the kinds of horrific things that people would do to other people and how systematically they did that in China at the time and what has occurred thereafter. I mean, there these are things that could be completely lost to history if we didn't have just a couple of intrepid people who dug into this stuff. And that book, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much required. I hate to say that because I hate people to have to hear that this is what people do. Uh, I'm currently reading, what is it, Gates of Fire, I think it is. It's about the Battle of Thermopylae. It's a novelization of the Battle of Thermopylae. And early on, it has the situation where a bunch of really horrible things happen. And it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe that people... I mean, obviously, we love to think that we're the civilized ones. And, um, you know, we're so amazing, this would never happen. But this is something that happened just in the 20th century. This wasn't that long ago in The Rape of Nanking. But another one was The Painted Bird. The Painted Bird was a novel that talked about what happened in Poland around World War II, right? And you just think, I mean, obviously these things happen. Uh, the Rape of Nanking is a chronicling of what happened in reality. Those other two uh, have some inspiration from reality. But these are the kinds of things that we have to do everything that we can to pull from the root any inclination of humanity to become monsters. We have to do whatever we can to do that. And, you know, it's important to be able to see those monstrous inclinations within people ahead of time. So anyway, uh, thank you for the comment, of course. Uh, much appreciated. And if those are supposed to be ears, I, I appreciate that too. <laughs> So this one from Apocalypse Never, and I think this is important to point out because this is something that I don't have any expertise when it comes to, I mean, I have expertise in everything except for this one area <laughs> when it comes to environmental science. You know, I don't have any particular knowledge in this area. So just to give some voice to somebody who is pushing the other way, this is Chapter for Travels commenting on this. Schellenberger is a shill for the legacy nuclear industry. The proof is in plain sight. He ignores and derides Generation 4 nuclear. LWRs cannot replace... They, it's the wrong cannot here. Cannot is one word. It's not two words. But there's two words here. Of course, so when you <laughs> when you encounter something, this is something that everybody has this bias. When you encounter somebody who seems to be pushing against something that you believe, then you want to find whatever reason to challenge them. <laughs> Or push or say that they're wrong or did something wrong or something like that. But anyway, moving on. Uh, they cannot replace fossil fuels outside the electricity sector because they do not produce the very high industrial heat necessary. Only Gen 4 molten salt reactors, MSRs, can do that. He must know this, yet ignores it. To me, this is proof positive. So I don't know much about how these things compare, LWRs versus MSRs, and uh, how much they're going to produce. Obviously, that's an empirical question, and obviously these are very complex issues that have to be determined. 
as far as the book, I found it uh, very persuasive, and the people that I've seen and read thereafter seems like nuclear is something that is extremely useful, and obviously we are going to have people pushing back who will benefit from other sides, you know, whether it's clean energy that I, I don't see this um, commenter, you know, shilling for <laughs> non-fossil fuel energy like uh, solar or wind or something like that and saying that those are going to be the ones that we need to go to, so at least there's that kind kind of a agreement there uh, because they don't have the density to provide the kind of power generation that we would need. So the question here, I mean, obviously this is debate. The question is, okay, what is going to provide when it comes to nuclear power or any other source of power, what's going to provide the sufficient amount of energy at the right costs and with the right impact on the environment and and is going to provide legacy kind of energy? What What's going to be the right answer? And obviously there's a right empirical answer based on all these different factors. And so maybe this pushback helps us get to that right empirical answer. But so it's much appreciated, Chapter 4 Travels, of uh, pushing us in the right direction if that is, in fact, the goal. And I'm going to assume that is, in fact, the goal. So much appreciated. This one is from Nick Schroeder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's this is again from Apocalypse Never. So people are fired up about this topic. And obviously, people who have a, a personal interest in this is kind of a starts with a concern. But again, that is an initial bias if they're challenging this. But anyway. So Nick Schroeder says specifically, number one, by reflecting away 30% of ISR, the albedo, which would not exist without the atmosphere, makes the Earth cooler than it would be without the atmosphere like that reflective panel set on the dash. Remove the atmosphere GHGs and the Earth becomes much like the moon, a barren rock with 0.1 albedo, 20% more kilojays, <laughs> kj over h, hot cubed on the lit side, cold cubed on the dark side. A Nikolov Cram and UCLA Diviner mission all tacitly agree. Tacitly, okay. Number two, the GHG up-down welling, trapping, back, radiating, delaying, intercepting, 100% efficient. Perpetual warming loop requires extra energy, which according to RGHE theory, it gets from number three, the terrestrial surface radiating that extra energy as a near ideal. 0.95 emissivity black body, which number four, it cannot do because of the non-radiative heat transfer processes of the contiguous atmospheric molecules. 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 equals 0 greenhouse effect plus 0 greenhouse gas warming plus 0 man-caused climate change, all science backed up by experiment, the gold standard of classical science. So it turns out, <laughs> it turns out it looks like at the end it was saying that uh, humans didn't have an impact on climate change. And I only have a shadow of a clue what any of that is talking about. Uh, it seemed to say that there are some experiments to demonstrate how something and, <laughs> and uh, i like this this idea that the earth becomes much like the moon if you don't have the atmosphere and you get some extra energy from the internal radiating or something like that i mean this is yeah just way beyond i didn't go to the source uh, so where i could actually try to parse this out and i know you only have so much that you can do in a youtube comment and i don't know if you copied and pasted this or you are actually a, a scientist in this area so you you certainly know what all this means put together. But again, whichever way it's per pushing, as long as it's trying to help us get to a more correct answer than we otherwise would have, then that's much appreciated. This, when it comes to the climate, this is one of those ones, it's so fraught with people who are ideologically invested one way or the other. And I'm not trying to make a false equivalence here. I definitely think that on one side, there's way more ideological and emotional investment than the other. But remember, the ideologies are mechanisms for us to try to make sense of something that is much too complicated for us to understand all on our own, all on our own, all on our own. <laughs> 
This is not something that we could at one time sit with all the information that's relevant to climate science and determine what the correct answer is. It's not something that we're capable of doing. So we use ideological cheat sheets. Uh, we just try to boil it down and come to some generic answer that often has some reflection on our personalities. And that's how we have to function. That's what we are, <laughs> you know, as the naked primates. But that doesn't give you any kind of certainty in complex systems. And that's why I see much more on one side the people who are demanding action and demanding money and demanding you do this or you do that when it comes to climate. I see much more certainty on that side than I see on the other side. So that alone, that one start starting heuristic <laughs> without being able to collect all of the information, that starting heuristic of one side is pretending to be certain when they most certainly should not be, is enough to make it generally worth it to question what the hell they're trying to say. And then just, of course, we dug into the uh, 97% consensus number and talked about how that was uh, not saying what everybody said it was saying, and that a lot of these activist groups just are completely unethical when it comes to trying to come to some answer because they have an interest in it, in getting more money and getting more publicity and getting more government backing. The more dire it is, the more dangerous it is, the more they get out of it. So, I mean, that goes with any activism <laughs> out there. So anyway, uh, again, if this is meant to try to get us closer to the right answer, then that's great. I think to say that there is zero man-made, zero man-caused climate change without all the prevarications and couching in the universe, that is just uh, a mind-boggling thing to say. You have to be really careful about how certain you're pretending to be on any given topic. Obviously, there's something that could have escaped your <laughs> grasp because uh, none of us have that kind of a brain. I mean, obviously I'm the closest, but none of us have that kind of a brain that can hold literally all of these things that are relevant to this particular complex topic and be able to make a determination without bias and all the processing power necessary to be able to do that. So again, much appreciated uh, very much for the comments. Hopefully we hear from you again if we touch this topic and we can we can go on from there. I think that's the last one. That's the last one that I had for this particular episode. We're already at 20 minutes. So <laughs> again, I expected it to be like a five minute episode and here we are. So uh, what we've got coming next is Gates of Fire, the based on the Battle of Thermopylae, a novelization of that. And there are some good things I'm already loving about it going through here. And uh, we'll be able to plug that one in coming up soon. And then we'll have some other books coming after that. We're going to go right back into the you know hard-charging nonfiction books right after that and, and get some of these big ideas. I know Ben Shapiro just released his new book, The Authoritarian Moment. But I think, yes, that's the one that we're doing for sure. American Marxism. Mark Levin, he just just released this book a couple of weeks ago or something like that and I just got it so you know I was I've listened to his podcast a few times he's one of the brighter human beings in the country and so uh, I saw that you know he talked about how he's releasing his book and I, somebody had quoted from it I wasn't sure if I was going to get it or not right away and read it on the show but then somebody had quoted from it and I was just like okay yeah we're reading that <laughs> we're going to read that I think he goes really deep into the history of a lot of these things which is definitely what I'm looking for at this point so we can have a really good understanding of where all this Marxism stuff comes from and how it's been played out in our country. But beyond that, that's it for the comment show, and I hope all is well. Uh, you can tweet at me if you want to. Like I said, I just started Twitter. I don't know how to do any of that stuff, but I'm trying to, <laughs> to engage with people on some level. So if you want to tweet at me, you could do that. I think I'm going to use that as kind of a background, though, honestly. I'm going to go one, to one of the platforms that is more open, and you don't have to worry about you know being deplatformed for whatever you say about anything. So we'll get on to one of those at some point. It's just... You 
you know, trying to do all the full-time things that I do and then add this stuff on top of it. It's, it's a headache. And I should not be whining about things or blaming anything else for my failings. That's my failing. If I'm going to do something, I should do it as well as humanly possible. And I should just get these episodes out and have them be the best they possibly can. So obviously, everybody, thank you for support. And I will definitely see you on the next one. All right, bye.